Hi, everyone, and welcome back to How Marvelous. I'm Josh. And I'm Megan. And we're back this week to talk uh, about a lot of different things. But first and foremost, we're going to talk about about Megan's favorite comic book character, <laughs> um, Gwenpool. Uh, and then a couple other things that have been going on recently. Some of the things that we're reading currently, the new Guardians of the Galaxy attraction at Epcot. Thanks for joining us. We just had this conversation when we were recording, but when you had brought up to me the idea of starting a Marvel-based podcast, one of the first comics that you bought me was was Gwenpool, and it was just a collection of her first comics. And I, you know, kind of just sat there and I was like, so it's a it's a girl version of Deadpool. Like that doesn't, I mean, Deadpool's pretty cool, right? Like I think I think everybody kind of likes Deadpool, right? Yeah, I he's yeah. So I kind of went into it expecting her to be a more modern version of him and female. I was wrong. Um, quickly became one of my favorites. Um, so she is from Earth TRN565. In other words, that is our universe. So that's not the MCU. That is that is the universe that we are in currently. And she's also a comic lover. So, you know, she's she's a nerd. She she definitely has Star Wars and Marvel posters up on her walls and she she's definitely loves the MCU. And so her whole thing is she's a nerd who got sucked into a comic. So she's trying to figure out how to navigate that. And throughout her entire comic run, she she meets different people and different comic book characters that she knows. She teams up with Modoc, who is is kind of a bad guy. I mean, he's not he's not great. He's the floating head, you know, he's he's a pretty big supervillain, but she has this power quote unquote power that she knows things about the superheroes that nobody else does. And so everybody's kind of confused, you know, how does how does she know all of these things? Because, you know, when they fight the mighty Thor, who's Jane Foster, she kind of whips out that piece of information and is like, your name is Jane Foster. And it kind of throws her off guard. So I think she definitely becomes a very big asset for that team and, and pretty much every other team that she is a part of. She was a part of the West Coast Avengers for a little bit, right? Um, I think she's jumped around quite a bit, yeah, um, and spent some time with different teams and whatnot. Um, I think, are, are you talking about uh, MODOK, like the team called MODOK? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think one of the coolest things about Gwenpool though like it, what you were mentioning before is that she is she is completely self-aware right like there are a handful of characters in the Marvel comics who know that they are in a comic book Gwenpool is one of them and that's kind of like what her superpower is right or or, mm-hmm. or one of them does she have superpowers I mean she's she kind of just she carries around a duffel bag with a leotard and some guns like that's that's um I don't remember what issue it was. I think it was one or two um, after she gets sucked into the comic and she is in a bank and she's trying to open up a bank account, but technically she doesn't exist in Earth 616. She's still a part of our universe. Um, But these bad guys come in and they're trying to rob the bank and she whips out her leotard and her big guns 
and she doesn't have super strength. She doesn't have super speed. So she's literally like probably five to a hundred pounds soaking wet with a gigantic gun, just shooting people. And her quips, she's very quippy. She's very sarcastic, which is something that I really like about her. Um, but she, she makes little side comments all the time that are like, well, they're gonna, they're gonna put this out of the comic because I said a bad word here, or this might be a little too gory for, you know, the PG-13 rating. But I do, I love that she's self-aware and she's okay with being self-aware. She knows things about these people that nobody else knows about these people. Because, right, like her, her superpower is kind of just that knowledge of these other characters and what their weaknesses are and, and whatnot. One of my favorite things about her uh, is that as she's going through the comic book, she is com- like very, 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 I said this before, but very self-aware um, to the point where when she was, you mentioned before that she was uh, teamed up with the West Coast Avengers. Mm-hmm. While she was sort of teaming up with them, that comic run got canceled in real life. The The writing for Gwen after that happened was, she she was worried that because the West Coast Avengers were canceled and she was part of that, that her existence in this universe would end. Um, and so she kind of jumped from place to place and tried to establish more of a uh, a permanent... Plot line. Yeah, or a permanent like stake in 616. So she's very funny and, and very like... She's hella quippy. Like yeah, she yeah. she's so sarcastic. That's why I feel like her and Kate get like they they get along kind mm-hmm. of. And and because they can bounce off of each other like that. Yeah. She when you think about the Marvel characters who are able to break that fourth wall, they're all quippy. They're all funny because they talk directly to the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you think of Spider-Man and his little anecdotes and and his little like asides to the camera, um if you will, or uh, Deadpool, even um, who is aware that he's in a comic book universe, um, they're all they're all funny. They all make you laugh, and and Gwen Gwenpool is no exception to that. I remember you asking me last week about my graphic novel version of The Great Gatsby and how much green there was in that, and and mm-hmm. what the color scheme had to kind of do with the story. So one of the things that I've noticed throughout the comics I've read with Gwen is all of her dialogue is in pink and everybody else's like Batrock the Leaper is in black. And I feel like that just kind of helps her stand out and establishes yet again, she may begin to fit in with this world, but she is not a part of it. Yeah. She's, she can interact with it and she can have a place in it, but she is still distinctly different. And I think specifically the, the font style that's used to illustrate what a character is saying really indicates their place in that, in that setting if you read comics with thor in them like his font is different and anyone from asgard really has a different kind of font if you read the star wars comic most of the time darth vader's lines are it's a black speech bubble with white font like a white lettering um just to indicate that it's different um and i think the fact that hers are pink just really indicates that she's she is this really specific person who is distinctly different from everyone else and is uniquely herself. I love her personality. You know, I keep coming back to that. I just, I love that she is her. And, you know, she goes into this this world, this comic world, where she knows what the storyline of a superhero looks like, right? So they 
origin story. They get their powers. They probably lose somebody along the way. They lose faith in themselves and then they come back and they're better than ever. And she knows that that happens and yet she still goes through it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really interesting because I don't know if I would be able to handle that. You know, like she she knows that this stuff is going to happen and yet she still goes through with it anyway. Do you think it's that she still goes through with it or that she doesn't have a choice but to? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Because obviously she's self-aware. And that's the whole point about Gwenpool is she is self-aware. Mm-hmm. And she can kind of go with the flow, but knows what's happening. Yeah, I get that. Like, I think she, once again, her her superpower is that awareness. And so to think that she wouldn't be able to somewhat predict what's going to happen in a story or in a comic is, like, obviously she can do that. But the fact like you said the fact that she still goes along with it and does all of those things and and even goes through development herself like it Mm -hmm. it I think is a a really cool illustration that we kind of all go through that even Mm -hmm. in in real life but yeah she's she's a super cool character one of my favorite things about her um is her name when I first read it I was like oh like like Gwen Stacy and Deadpool because Right, That's which is what the name suggests, which is what I said in the beginning because I thought it was going to be, you know, a variant of Gwen Stacy as mm-hmm. Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Her but name is the case. her name is literally like her given name in in our universe is Gwenpool. It's yeah. Gwen, and then her last name is Pool. So she kind of just put that together, and I think that that's a really funny running line that they go through in in all of her comics. Because you know, when she's fighting people, there was one instance where the guy she was fighting was like Gwenpool. They couldn't even hire like the legitimate assassin Deadpool, and everybody just kind of thinks that they're related, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. as the comics progress, like everybody still thinks that they are the same person. And they're not. Well, their their costumes look strikingly similar also um, in terms of design. Right. Um, but I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that Gwen has said that she, does, she didn't even read the Deadpool comics when mm-hmm. she was in in her universe, I guess, in our universe. And so the, the similarities, I think, are probably just very coincidental. But it's still funny nonetheless. And it's, it's very funny to me that they bring it up in, in universe as well. I also love... There are so many running jokes with Gwenpool because, you know, she's that kind of character, but she doesn't have pants. So like I said, it's it's a long-sleeved leotard with um, a hood. That's that's her her costume. And she continually asks the, the comic runners, can I have pants, please? And that mm. continues to happen. And I feel like that may be indicative of the old sexualization of female comic book characters in older comics a lot of times female characters were very sexualized yeah does she ever get pants not to my knowledge i think there's a a certain like message in in her asking the the creators for that like indicates that she is i don't know that her character is strong enough to like break out of that norm that you that you Mm -hmm. brought up that that like female characters can be overly sexualized and um and that kind of imagery is used but like that it's not it's not in her control to fix it right well like if you think about um iron man 2 with the introduction of black widow into the mcu like she she had the very low-cut leather skin tight suit and she did look really cool 
mm-hmm. looking back on that, very over-sexualized. Yeah, and I, I think that there's a, a greater conversation to be had about that overall. Like, even in the past 10 years, there's been a lot of awareness brought to those kinds of things and to a lot of other, like, marginalizing practices in comics and in movies in general um, that, that have changed over time. But, like, I think Gwen being aware of that and and wanting to kind of be a force for change is at the same time pointing out the real perpetrators of that right like she's Mm -hmm. she's asking the comic book writers for it and they're not giving it to her and so I think a lot of times blame is placed on the characters themselves Mm -hmm. um for those types of tropes and those types of practices when in fact it's not it's not them at all they shouldn't be um they shouldn't be viewed in that way they shouldn't be punished for that because it's like they're literally fictional characters. Right. They they don't have a say in it. And like I said, I think we're we're getting out of that now. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of the costume designs that we see now and, and all of that are being more mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even if you just consider like the Scarlet Witch's costume, right? Like it it's first of all, it looks ten times cooler than it ever has in the comic. Oh yeah. But also it's it's more probably more practical and and less revealing. And I think gives Wanda a certain even just visual power mm-hmm. that she might not have had in the comics or you think of a character like Carol uh, Danvers mm-hmm. and how back in the day like she had the like the black unitard it was very revealing and very like it, it accentuated a, a lot of features on her that her new costume doesn't but mm-hmm. it's because the new costume I think illustrates that she is a strong enough person that you don't need to pay attention to that necessarily. It's like when you're on stage, right? You don't want to focus on what you're wearing. You want to focus on the presence as a whole, your Mm -hmm. presence you want to take up room with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what superhero outfits have gotten to now. This person's presence, you don't have to focus on the outfit. Sure, the outfit can look really cool, but they have power there. Mm-hmm. there's there's so much more to those characters than just how they look they bring so much more to the story and to the to the overall experience than just their appearance and I think some of the newer costumes do a really good job of illustrating that and highlighting that it reminds me also like of some of the discourse that was happening in the Star Wars community when the Force Awakens and when the Last Jedi came out about Captain Phasma because um, people are like confused as to how Captain Phasma was a female but her armor looked like the rest of the stormtroopers. It doesn't necessarily have to have feminine features for it to be female. Right. Not that not that those features shouldn't be accentuated or highlighted, but there's there's just more to the characters than just that. The fact that people can't get over that and understand that there's more to a costume than just how it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that just doesn't make sense to me. But I definitely think that Gwen is a character that that can draw a lot of attention to that and that right. can do it in a funny way, but also in a, a meaningful way. I feel like they use her comedy as a way to to make her powerful. You know, sometimes characters get the, well, you're a funny sidekick that uses humor to cope with trauma, but I think that she uses her humor to establish who she is. Yeah, and I, I think to a certain extent, like she has to, because she comes from a different universe. She's sucked into a comic book and like the, the the whole experience is funny, I'm sure. Um, well, and... yeah, because one of the first people she meets is Howard the Duck. I cannot mm-hmm. imagine being able to come from a universe where that does not happen and then being sucked into a comic book where the first person you meet is a talking duck. 
It's not like you meet Captain America first, who is still a human person, just a super strong one, or um, Tony Stark. You you meet a literal anthropomorphic duck who is a detective. It would it, like it would have the same effect if you are meeting you know Rocket Raccoon or Groot. Like mm-hmm. same same kind of thing. You met a duck first. I feel like a raccoon could be a little bit more believable. It really highlights the absurdity that happens. Gwenpool Comet. Like you you start off on that note and you it immediately sets your expectations for a tone and it's it's just comedy and farce and it sets the character off on a a really specific note i also think about the fact that she gets into this comic book and immediately decides to be a, a superhuman. well mm-hmm. i was gonna say superhero however i don't necessarily think she fits into the hero category but she's also not a villain she's not really an anti-hero either because when when i think about an anti-hero i think about moon knight or the punisher and how frank like does everything for for a higher purpose whether or not it be good or bad mm-hmm. and how he has these morals whether or not they make him do something good or bad yeah. i feel like with gwen well and and frank also does it i don't think he's super selfish with it I think it may come across with him being selfish and I don't think it's necessarily selfless, but I don't, I don't feel like she's an anti-hero either. I feel like her and Deadpool kind of fit into their own kind of category. They are chaotic neutral yeah, in the sense that their chaos can go either way, selfish or selfless. It could go good or bad. It just depends on the day. And I don't know if there's necessarily a word for that. But it's always chaotic. But it's always chaos. Yeah, I think it would be difficult to be in her shoes and not fill that role, right? Like, if I were sucked into a comic book world, I would know, I I, I know for sure, I would want to try to label myself as a superhero, or Mm -hmm. not like a superpowered being, to a certain extent, like the fact that she is sucked into a comic book is so absurd. But like, how can you just not be chaotic with it? If I was sucked into a comic book, I would either want to be a superhero, which like makes sense, because who wouldn't want to be a superhero? Mm -hmm. Or a Lois Lane type person where you are besties and significant others with the superheroes. And so you can kind of get the inside scoop on things, especially because there are people like J. Jonah Jameson where like they slander superheroes. So I I would either want to be the superhero or the advocate for superheroes. I think like it reminds me of a, a conversation I've had with people before about what role I would occupy if I were in the Star Wars universe. Everyone, everyone wants to be a Jedi or... Um, like have the force and, and do all the cool stuff that they get to do. But I, I genuinely don't think that if I were in the Star Wars universe, I don't think that I would be a Jedi just because of like the kind of person that I am and the kind of things I have done in my life. I don't think that I would have the patience or the discipline to be a Jedi, but I do feel like they, their, their overall mission is something that I admire and that I um, would maybe want to further if I were in that universe but i i like i i would uh, kind of like you said i i i would be an advocate or an ally or someone who tries to do good things and and looks up to the the people who have the discipline and the knowledge and the um the structure in their lives to be jedi but not mm-hmm. be one myself do you think that you would want the force or do you think that you would just be a non-force wielding being i'd probably just be a non-force wielding being I feel like that just seems so much easier because yeah. you either don't have the force and you can live a life or you have the force and get kidnapped by space monks. And that is just 
not the vibe. But I think having that meta knowledge that Gwen has that she is in mm-hmm. this universe and that like all of it's made up and none of it matters, I think would make it very easy to decide to run alongside these superhero people. Mm-hmm. You know, something that really bugs me and something that I really, I just, I need to see is her in other media. I mean, like she's in video games, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's in Lego Marvel superheroes. She's in Contest of Champions. She makes appearances in other comics, but I need to see her on the television screen. She might make it there eventually. Uh, the the Modoc series that was on Hulu Oh, I forgot um, that existed. <laughs> yeah, it had a companion comic uh, that that came out all around the same time that was supposed to be like a little bit of a prequel. She's in it. Is she? Mm-hmm. And so like it it would be, it would stand a reason that she might eventually make her way to at least that TV. I specifically want to see her in the What If series. I feel like she would have a very good place in that. Howard the Duck's voice actor, Seth Green, wants for Gwenpool to appear in What If? So that I may not be too far off. Yeah, it would be a very good way to 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 bring her in because what if complete it's, hypothetical? What if focuses on the absurdities? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I feel like that would be a very good way to kind of bring in her character. I think overall the the tone that animation sets would suit her very well. Well, because if you think about it, like you know, the MC movies tend to be very serious. And there may be some lightheartedness in there, like with the relationship between T'Challa and Shuri. But but overall, they're very hard topics. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if her uh, extreme lightheartedness would ever translate well to the MCU. It doesn't necessarily matter how she could fit in, but I think your original point of like seeing her in other forms of media is is valid. Like I would love to see her in other stuff too. I would love to see all the characters in other stuff. I would mm-hmm. love a variety of content around them also really quick i think that you will really enjoy this because i found this when i was doing research for this episode about her and other media co-creator of gwenpool wants a crossover series between her and dr afra i would read that i would absolutely read that. <laughs> um i love dr afra yeah i th- okay so she says that she wants to depict the duo as being best friends which I haven't read any of the Dr. Afra comics. It's on my to-do list. From what you've told me about her, I feel like they would vibe pretty well. Mm -hmm. Do you also feel like Dr. Afra is very chaotic? Oh, yes. She's not as, she's not on the same level of absurdity as Gwenpool. Like she, she is a Star Wars character. So there's (laughs) not all that kind of meta that goes on in Star Wars. It it does take itself pretty self-seriously. Afra is definitely an agent of chaos. (laughs) <laughs> um, I was just telling somebody at work about her the other the other day and the way that she goes about doing things and, and, and the mess that she gets herself into and um, the best way to describe her is she has a line in one of one of the, the comics that she's in and I, I may have said this on here before but she's she just shouts out uh, it belongs in an armory. Um, instead of belongs in the museum. I think I might have said that last week. She is very chaotic and, and she does things for her own self-interest, but she also has a softer side too um, and and does have a heart sometimes, sort of. And I, I think that she and Gwen would, would team up in a very nice way. They are also going back to that crossover. They want to commission fan art of the characters together. So I think that that is really cool, having mm-hmm. fans showcase their art. Also of Gwen and she will apparently have a lightsaber. Well, if she's in Star Wars, she would have to have one. Yeah, I guess that would fit her character. But I don't know how I feel about that because I don't know if she would use it for good. She would have a pink one, though. 
they would have yeah. to make they would have to make a pink one i mean lightsabers can come in all shapes and sizes and colors so yeah that's not too far off no. um one more question for you about Gwenpool. If you mm-hmm. had to recommend a comic for someone to read with her, what would it be? Oh, okay. Um, I really like her Christmas special. She goes in to this bar where they're having a Christmas party and they kind of, she meets a lot of female characters and, you know, she's like, yeah, feminism, feminism is great, girl power. And then they all just kind of blankly stare at her. And I think that that is very, that's the vibe she gives off. So she is this, this comic relief character who is also the main character, which typically doesn't happen. And she isn't taken seriously. So I feel like the Christmas special with her in it, you definitely get a good feel of who she is as a character. Mm-hmm. I think you should read all of them because they're, she's perfect and amazing in every single way, shape and form. But if you have to start off with one and you didn't want to start off at the beginning, that's the one I would pick. All right. So this is this week's What Are You Reading? So Josh, what are you reading this week? Uh, This week, I am reading The Adventure Zone, Here There Be Gerblins. Um, I've read it before, but I started reading it again because um, I started playing a D&D game with uh, some friends of mine, and I'm working on putting together a Star Wars one, um, but I wanted to get back into it because it's one of my favorite stories. Um, the Adventure Zone is, if you don't know, it's a podcast, is a an actual play D&D podcast hosted by the McElroys, uh, who are kind of like podcast moguls. Um, they've got a bunch of different titles out there, but it's three brothers and their dad, and they play D&D together, and it, it started several years ago they still come out with episodes i think they're on like their fourth or fifth different story the adventures on here there be gerblins is the first graphic novel adaptation of like the first season or the first um like section of the adventure zone um i think there's four or five of them out right now but it it, i I just think it's a cool a cool way to consume that story um because i listened to the entire thing on on the podcast and and fell in love with it and then just to revisit that place and see it in a different perspective is really cool. I've seen a couple of, or I've heard of a couple of different podcasts where they will go through their campaign and then write the story as it happened and then voice their different characters. Is it that, or are they legitimately just playing D&D on a podcast? No, you hear the dice on the table. Oh, that's really cool. Like, yeah, it is really cool. The, the entire um, kind of way that it started was uh, these three brothers, Griffin, uh, Travis and Justin were like they've they've done podcasts and and whatnot, but one of them wanted to play D anD D, so they they started this. And their dad had never played it. Clint is their dad, and Griffin had never DM'd before. And so it was it started off as their like just the the four of them having fun and and doing this activity together, um, and it turned into this incredible story. Um, the first season or the first like chapter called here there be gerblins is them playing through the D like beginner game like the, the the box set that you can get at target with the the dungeon master guide for and, and the story guide for for the story and after they finished it they, they just wanted to keep going with those characters and so it, it ran for several years um this arc it, 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 we call it balance is the name of the arc they're able to just weave together this intricate and moving and emotional story it's just so good and and mm-hmm. being able to read it as a as a graphic novel is is a lot of fun too um it's a big commitment like it's a big time commitment to listen to the whole thing but it's mm-hmm. it's worth it it's very very good so what are you reading right now 
I remember last week saying that I was reading The Great Gatsby for school, but I have since learned to multitask. And I am reading a, a novel, not a graphic novel, which is very recent development for me in the past couple of months um, called Before the Coffee Gets Cold. So it's a Japanese story and it talks about a coffee shop in this tiny corner at the edge of Tokyo. And, you know, the coffee isn't that good and they kind of describe it as being bland and mediocre coffee. Um, but there are four different stories. So there's four different chapters and the coffee shop is actually kind of like a time machine. So there's a special booth that you can go and sit in where you can go back to any kind of moment. So the four different stories are four different people. So there's one who goes to visit his mom and dad before they die. There is one who visits her sister on her wedding day before they lose touch. There is one who visits his dying wife. And then there's another who visits her grown child who she's pregnant with at that time and it's a very it was an emotional roller coaster for me I think that there were a couple of different times where I I sobbed and I typically don't really cry over books but this one like it hit home just because mm -hmm. losing people is hard and they they definitely describe the trials and tribulations of of their journeys very and, and so the, the title, Before the Coffee Gets Cold, there are a couple of different stipulations, but the time travel. Um, so you can do everything you want to to change the outcome. So you can kill somebody, you can profess your undying love to somebody, but no matter what you do, nothing will affect the future. You can only do it once. And the time stipulation, they give you a cup of coffee, you have to drink it, and you have to finish drinking it before the coffee gets cold. Otherwise, you're stuck in that time dimension forever. Wow. So it it's it, stories that allow people to go and, I guess, revisit or revisit things that have happened in the past or see the ramifications of things that are happening as they as they affect the future. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, there are there are a lot of different mediums that portray time travel very, very differently. So there's linear, there's, you know you can create different timelines kind of thing. But this one, I feel like is the safest time travel for your sanity. So a lot mm -hmm. of the I think all of these people go back in time to get peace of mind, you know, to to get something off of their chest. And they know that it's never going to happen in their world the way it happened in the coffee shop, but it gives them peace of mind and it helps them cope with loss mm -hmm. or with with something that didn't turn out great. I'll have to check it out. What's the art style like? Um, none. <laughs> oh. Um, it, it's a novel. Oh. Um, which is very new, right? I like. I, I didn't know you could read. I know. I had become illiterate for a little bit. She says as she's literally a writer, but you know, yeah. There's um. It was a little bit of a slow start for me just because I had no idea what was going on. But mm. I picked it up at a local bookshop because it has a cat on the front. Because like the the cover art is uh, here. It's it's two um chairs and two coffee cups, and then it has like a little coffee table, and then it has a cat on on the front. And I was like, oh, it's gonna be poetry. I was wrong. It was a novel, and it was a very good novel, and it was a novel that made me cry. It was well, very. I'm glad. Sweet. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to figure out how to read and check it out sometime. Yeah, maybe.
welcome to this week's speed round. I'm so I'm so pumped for this one, actually. I'm yeah, very, well, very excited for it. Once again, this is when we're gonna go through a couple different topics. We have a minute to talk about each of them. And I think Megan wants to go first. All right. So my first topic is The Legend of Genji. It's a new webtoon and it picks up a couple years after the legend of Korra. So Korra is a fully realized avatar and her time as the avatar has ended. I found them on Instagram a couple months ago and they just recently started posting things. So it's every Friday and I will find the link for it. It's it's kind of similar to Avatar Roku's story where, you know, there was this one guy that everybody thought was the avatar, but really was somebody else. Um, so they kind of go through that. There are more modern politics, so the forced immigration of the sand people, the forced immigration of the swamp waterbenders, um, bloodbending is still illegal, um, there's also different aspects of, of couples, and, and you definitely get to see life after Korra. Um, I'm going to talk about the new Guardians of the Galaxy attraction at Epcot, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Um, I got the chance to ride it the other day. Wow, uh, which was so so cool the the attraction itself is a uh, an indoor coaster you go on an epic adventure and um, help the guardians of the galaxy save the galaxy just like the guardians attraction in california um mission breakout the attraction has a couple different song choices um, that are randomly given to you i got disco inferno by the tramps um and it was overall it was just so much fun the music is blasting you're going super fast and um, like the the quips from the guardians are of course very funny and it's it like cool and you get to spin um, on a roller coaster it, it's it's awesome um, and it fits in really well at Epcot too um, which is something that I was concerned about uh, since I I have that a very special connection to that place but it's overall just great and I cannot wait for it to open um, later this month for everybody else to experience it. So my next thing is the Halo series on HBO. I was going to talk about this last week but I hadn't finished watching all of the episodes that are out. Halo to me was something that me and my twin brother and my dad could bond over. And the fact that it's live action and something other than Forward Until Dawn is amazing. The special effects, the Spartan armor, the, the overall scenery of the different planets is amazing. Also, fun fact, they got the same voice actor for Cortana that they did in the video games. She looks amazing. Um, and then they also use the same sound effects that they do in the game. So the health shield regeneration, the uh, needler sound, the grunts, the elites, they also came up with an entire language for the Covenant. And I thought that that was amazing and i'm so excited to see one of my very favorite games of live action now the last thing i want to talk about uh, is also an hbo series um, last week i gave my undying love and support for our flag means death and recommended that you watch it um, i am here this week to revoke all of that it is awful <laughs> do not watch it it is terrible um if you do watch it don't watch the last episode uh because it is heart wrenching and it makes you feel empty on the inside and it hasn't been renewed for season two yet so I don't know if I'm gonna change that feeling ever don't watch it save yourself uh, <laughs> do yourself a favor don't even pretend pretend like it doesn't even exist um because it shouldn't <laughs> you have a lot of differing emotions there yeah yeah it's uh it's one of the best tv shows I've ever watched in my entire life yeah. it's so good um but yeah it don't watch it. 
also really quick before we end i sent you a tiktok about the last trailer for multiverse of madness and he said he wasn't gonna watch it but let it be known that i was right we can talk about that later the movie comes out this um, week this we're seeing week. it on friday and we are uh, so excited about it i deleted it... twitter from my phone oh already. i don't go on twitter I don't go on Twitter. Twitter scares me. Twitter is a scary place. It is. Don't don't go. It's like Reddit. Do you do you Reddit? Um, for specific things. Reddit's a trap. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Um, we will be back next week, maybe with a review of Multiverse of Madness. If what we make it through that? it, we'll see. If we make it through it, if we don't uh, die first, are we gonna die because of how it astonished us, or because of how good Elizabeth Olsen looks? Yes. We will see you guys next week with another episode. Thank you guys so much for listening.